Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way. We might have fun. Hello, today I get to introduce you to my friend, Carol File. I think you live in Bakersfield. Is that right? I do. You and I are not that far apart. Does something good come out of Bakersfield like, you know, Nazareth? Um, you know, I would have to say, yes, there's lots of good. I raised my kids here, so I know at least three things. Oh, that's right. Carol, <laughs> Carol is a fellow speaker and writer, and we met through Kathy Lips program, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah, writing connections there. Writing at, at, at the Red, Red House. House. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Carol is terrific. You're going to enjoy this conversation today. And uh, she wears yellow boots. She talks about gardening. She talks about mentoring marriage and shooting ourselves. And we're going to get into that right now. But Carol, would you first tell us a little bit about your family and then about your ministry? Well, my family, uh, we are three children to my husband and I, my husband, and I've been married 37 years. I have three Ooh. adult children. Um, until just a few months ago, none of my kids lived in the state of California where I'm from. Wow. They have found new places to reside in their adult years. And that's brought its own challenges and uh, unique opportunities with it. My husband and I keep saying live cool places and we'll come find you wherever you are. I love that. Uh, Recently grandparents. So we've got two grandkids, a three-year-old granddaughter and uh, her 10-month-old little brother. So our family is growing and um, it's great to be a mom to adult kids. It is. I totally agree. As you'll see by my Instagram reel today. Um, I mean, they keep you at the bank and on your knees and they're just so much fun. And you know, sometimes they pick up a bill too. So that's not a bad thing. Yes. I have to admit they do. And I really appreciate it. Carol, when did you start knowing that you wanted to start ministering to other women? You know, that's one of those questions that gets twisted around through the years. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some lies that show up in there. But when I look back, I can recall sitting at the empty table of the first home my husband and I ever bought many years after most of our friends. And I was sitting at that table with two girlfriends and we were speaking vision into our future of what Mm -hmm. we wanted to be doing. And, uh, my youngest, who's now 28, was four years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking to women was was definitely part of that vision and the writing. Um, I actually started writing classes at Multnomah School of the Bible back when wow. I was 23 years old, 22 years old. Um, my husband and I lived up in Oregon while he went to seminary. Hmm. So um, I think that's been on my heart for a lot of years, and it's permeated most of what I've done intentionally and unintentionally, you know, just the relationships that you find yourself in with people. But um, yeah, it's been good to realize that that dream's been around longer than I give it credit for sometimes. Wow. Wow. And I bet there's someone who's 23 or maybe 33 with small children around them wondering, where will I ever get 
from here to there. Um, what could you say to encourage them right now? I would say uh, that a couple things. I would say have the big dreams and give them to the Lord. Trust that he'll bring about the timing. I would also say something that my very wise mother said to me that I've had to, it's this tension balance. Um, her comment was, it's okay to want something and never, ever get it. Hmm. And I think in our quick response world, sometimes that's a little hard. And I think there've been times where I felt like I've had to lay that dream at the foot of the cross and just say, okay, Lord, if you want this to happen, it's going to have to happen because I can't make it mm -hmm. happen. And so that willingness to take that truth from my mom, even though the Lord has in fact brought the opportunity into my life, being willing to say, I want this, but I only want it if the Lord paves the way. Right, right. It's all part of surrendering. Yes, uh, just because I have a dream yeah. doesn't mean that's the thing that I should invest all my time in, right? Like we really right. have to put that through the filter of what is it? I, knowing God's will is a really challenging conversation. I'm sure for some people, I think um, knowing knowing God's will is more about the little things that we do on a daily basis. It's not necessarily the big giant things. And so being faithful and little and um, trying to walk just in step with his leading, mm. planting yourselves in the truth of who he is mm -hmm. and allowing him to grow in those things that produce fruit. And sometimes the fruit equals the dream that you speak out around a kitchen table with girlfriends. Right, right. And it has, doesn't have to be in a big auditorium. Um, well, you just use the word planted. And I know that one of your uh, fun things about yourself is that you garden and you wear yellow boots. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, and I'll send you uh, one of my fun little yellow boot friends when I, when I get a chance to, um, after oh, our conversation today, but, uh, yellow boot, the yellow boot idea, um, I came uh, upon always needing something to wear in the garden. And my son actually had the best gardening boots. They're really just great rain boots that I've decided I could walk anywhere in the yard. But what I've learned as I slip them on and off coming in and out of the house is they've become my listen and learn boots. What do you and mean? And when I step into my garden, I cannot help. I cannot help but see what the there's life analogies in everything that's growing in my yard. Hmm. So whatever phase of a plant's life, there is a life analogy for me that has a spiritual parallel to it. And can so give, can you give me a couple? Can you give me a couple? Yeah, um, roses. Roses can grow wild and free. If you ignore them, they'll do a lot of things on their own, hmm. but they also do best if you're willing to prune them back, hmm. maybe snipping off a blossom as it's spent. So what does that do? You snip off that blossom and it returns energy back to, into the plant, hmm. produce the next flowers. And so when I'm looking at life analogies, I would, I would say that in my head as I'm walking around the yard and I'd be like, Oh, Kara, what things have already kind of like lived their life? Are you not really willing to let go of hmm. so that the energy can go into the next thing that the Lord might bringing across your path? Do you find it hard to snip off and prune things from your own life? 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. I'm a doer. So I always think that I can make, I think I can muster up the energy to make things happen. And sometimes I do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're done well or that my attitude is good or that I don't bark at people along along the way. Yeah, it's kind of bad. I tell people, you know, when someone interrupts your quiet time, it, it sort of ruins the whole thing. If I go, would you get out of my way? I'm trying to talk to God. It's like kind of ruins the whole aspect. Totally get that. that. So when you are in the garden and you're in your yellow boots, which I think are great, because um, do you ever step on things that shouldn't be stepped on? Yeah, I've killed plants. Oh, you know, no. Those I'm new at planting, new at planting bulbs. And I have a dear friend who lives in Tennessee and she was just telling me how she is taking her bulbs out for the winter. Now in California, I don't have to do that so much. They can Mm -hmm. overwinter in the ground, Yeah, but they also try to revive themselves at interesting times of the year. It's easy to mistake for weeds and you just step Mm -hmm. and go, Oh, that was, that was that bulb coming up. Oops. (laughs) Yeah. You just never know with California weather. You just don't know. Yeah. And I'm, not, and I'm, I'm in the Central Valley. I'm very warm in the summer, dry mm-hmm. most of the year. Um, so yeah, it's a little tricky on what thrives and survives. And that's been part of the whole garden thing too, is recognizing um, like the water analogies, you know, Jesus is the living water. Um, are you connected to a source? What's your source? Mm. Uh, drip irrigation is a big thing. If that drip irrigation isn't close enough to the base of the plant, it doesn't do the plant any good. And hmm. so I, I just find application after application in my yard. And if I'm in, when I'm in writing mode, if I'm stuck, all I have to do is just step out into the yard for a little hmm. bit. Besides the fact that the sunshine does me good sunshine. See what I did there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's uh, just, you know, God just reveals himself to me in the hmm. garden in uh, really helpful ways. And, you know, I've even pruned a bush back way too much, regretted it, took a, you know, <laughs> act thought to it. And even in that, God shows his graciousness because amazingly, the plant survived beyond my horrid pruning job. I was too impatient mm. to do things slowly. And the Lord says, I don't prune like that. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't whack you down to your knees. He's Mm -hmm. gentle and loving. He reaches in with a hand pruner and he snips a little bit here and he snips a little bit there. He doesn't, he doesn't make me walk through every painful thing all at once. He's Mm -hmm. just a really a good, gracious father. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Uh, What do you say to the woman who feels dry in her spiritual life? How could one of your gardening analogies help her? The gardening analogy um, that comes to mind is when something is dry, I I fight dehydration myself personally. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of soaking to replenish. And so to be patient with the process of soaking your roots, just sitting in the truth, listening to worship music, having... Um, you know, obviously we don't go sit in a bath of water to absorb Christ, but what are the things we can do that are absorbing truth? And, um, 
you know, podcasts of hope and encouragement can be great things, but there's also podcasts that might draw somebody into a negative thinking mode. And so being judicious and how, how you choose what your source is, and it doesn't all just have to be the Bible on repeat. It doesn't have to be, um, leave me alone. I'm praying. Although those <laughs> are part too. of our daily life. We still have to go about the daily routine. And so for sure. the, the woman who feels dry, being patient with the process of being replenished, that that happens over time and to keep doing it. It's not a, it's, it's not a microwave. It's not a zap it and it's fixed. Um, yeah, the patience yeah. with process. I love that because um, we want things done instantly. We think, okay, I'm turning to the Lord and I spent five minutes, which is a good start. But then we want all of our viewpoints to change miraculously. And we want to be like Jesus every moment of the day. And for me, that just doesn't happen. How did you come to want to help others step into their season of growth? What's your process? What was your process? I think my process for that was um, experiencing what it was to have uh, first a mom who spoke into my life, a mom who shared wisdom and insight and modeled um, what it was to, to walk in faith. Uh, something that I recall her doing that I have not done nearly as well, but I have image of my mom, particularly my high school years. I'm the youngest of five. So hmm. it might've been easier for her to do it at that season of her life. So I will, uh, I will put it in that phrasing, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I can remember waking up, getting ready for school. And she was in the living room with a beautiful view out, um, you know, out the front window with a cup of coffee and her Bible in her lap. And mm -hmm. I know that she and the Lord were, uh, communing. She was not just talking to him, but listening. And mm -hmm. that example leaves an imprint. And probably one of the things that, you know, as a mom, if you could say, wow, I wish I could have a do-over, that would be something I wish that I could have a do-over. I, I would hope to have been more consistent in that. And I would encourage any woman listening that you can start today being consistent in the thing you wanted to. Like if there's something that you wish you'd done better, jump in today. It's not too late. It, that, right. that influence and impact still matters. I think too, women feel like, okay, when I'm older and my kids are gone, like your mom with the fifth child, I was four or five, that that's when I can start being close to the Lord. I've had people say that about, well, that's when I'm going to start having people over doing when I do a hospitality workshop. I said, no, 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 no. I started when my kids were young because I needed the fellowship of other mothers. So hospitality was more like hospitality, not entertaining because my house was a wreck and their kids made it even worse. <laughs> and you just didn't need to worry about that kind of thing. I'll never forget my, we hadn't seen my, my friend Cecily's son for a while. And then when it was time for her to leave, she went into the laundry room and Larson, who's now this really successful financier and owns a ranch in Montana or someplace had spilled over all my dry laundry detergent all over the laundry room floor. But the good news was that she cleaned it up. So it's really no big deal. And it's a great story and you, you do it now. So you, you meet with God at the sink, you meet with God in the van. That's one reason I don't play music in the van, though. Some people get it from listening to worship music so that I can commune with God. And then when the kids get in the van, 
then you can, you know, respond to their pleas and their demands a little, a little yeah. easier. Um, you have this new message uh, that I've seen all over social media right now, where we have to stop shooting ourselves. And I think it's uh, how we have to say that very carefully as genteel Christian women. So why did you start that ministry? What is the message? And how can we as women stop shooting ourselves? I think the idea behind the should statements um, came from an understanding of thoughts that I was recognizing that were playing on repeat. Like what? And um, I would think, oh, why did that go that way? And my mind would immediately say, you should have, mm. and a phrase that would be condemning usually would jump in there. So the method kind of fun to talk about by definition, should is not a holy word. The thing is culturally quite often today, we see the negative connotations of it because especially as we're telling it to ourselves, it's a lot of guilt inducing. Carol, and so uh, Carol, this whole the idea Carol, of the internet went out. Would you mind repeating uh, that about culture? Oh, yeah, no, in our, uh, culturally, um, I think where should is not wholly negative, we use the word in more negative ways than positive ways. And mm. so in my own mental mindset, something happens and without pushing the play button of my mind, my thought tells me you should have been more prepared, been, you know, mm -hmm. said something kinder. <laughs> and so as I started to recognize that this was happening and started talking to people about it, I wasn't the only one having, um, these automatic conversations that would play over and over. And from one day to the next, they're often very similar. Hmm. And I think it's a real interesting tactic. Uh, maybe uh, you could say an, a tactic of the enemy to get hmm. us distracted from truth. And so the idea of replacing should with could, hmm. looking for um, going from the, the place of um, condemnation, and guilt to recognizing that there's <clears throat> choice and uh, there's freedom in choosing. And ultimately that freedom comes from our relationship with Christ. But there's, there's hope in saying I should do something, but I also could do something. And even just replacing those words, swapping them out, maybe puts a different take on whether or not I'm putting a guilt trip on myself. Give and me, give us an example. Um, I have had a few challenging conversations, um, recently. And in my mind, I say, I should have been prepared for that. I should have, I should have known better. I should have said something different. Mm -hmm. I can say I could have said something different. And that gives me hope that the next time mm -hmm. I end up in that conversation, it won't be a guilt focus, but it will be a, I can choose better words the next time I find myself in this scenario. How do we keep from doing, repeating the same thing over and over that we should not have done? It's paying attention to uh, what we allow our mind to rest on because it matters what our thoughts land on. And Philippians 4.8 is a great grid 
for filtering your thoughts through whatever is true, right, lovely, you know, it goes through this whole list. And as I'm taking my thoughts, filtering them through that, oh, what would be a good, is that like a sifter in the kitchen? You'd put powdered sugar on top of desserts. Let's look at Philippians 4, 8 like that. Let's look at sugar. Some, <laughs> yeah, shift, uh, sifting some truth over um, the thought that plays in my head and asking, is this thought truth or a lie? Is this mm. thought um, bringing me into a right context in terms of what I'm telling myself? And is it in a right context in terms of what God's word tells me is true about himself, about myself, about who I am in him. And a lot of times those things get blurred in our mind. And mm. we just, I have found for myself that I was not paying attention to those thought patterns. Mm. I was letting them play. And I'm, I think that's very common. Um, what do you see as a thing that stunts growth more than anything else? Something that stunts growth. Our spiritual growth is what I'm... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Since you're a gardener and I'm not. <clears throat> well, yeah, something that stunts growth is uh, certainly, from the gardening perspective, not having the right soil composition, right? Not having the right nutrients, not having the right balance of water. So if we're looking at that in a spiritual analogy, if Jesus is the water of life and a drink from him causes me to thirst no more why wouldn't I be drinking in as much of him as I could? If the nutrients are the truths of his word, how am I ingesting those? Am I content with a sermon from my pastor on Sunday and then doing nothing the rest of the week? Or am I challenging myself to look at those notes that I took on Sunday to replay some of those songs that we sang, like to extend that learning opportunity so that I'm feeding, I'm being fed through throughout the week um, in those opportunities. Hmm. When you continue to should yourself, what is the first thing that you do? When I continue to do it? Mm -hmm. Like as in, how do I stop it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the point. First, yeah, the first stop, um, <clears throat> first stop in changing anything is acknowledging that it exists, right? right? So we have actually recognized that it's there and um, walking through the idea of recognizing, reframing and replacing. Mm -hmm. So we need to recognize they exist. We need to reframe how we look at them. Again, asking, is it a truth or a lie? Putting it through a filter of scripture and then replacing the lie with the truth. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a three point sermon right there. Um, I would think when I would do this, cause I do, I would say I should not be back on this same should and then feel worse. Oh yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> great. That's a great tool of the enemy to <clears throat> just have us in that negative loop. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, Romans tells us that there's no condemnation for those mm -hmm. who are in Christ Jesus. Like we, we don't have to carry that, um, right. Uh, a gardening illustration, if you will. I have a few extra critters that like to walk through my yard and they leave <laughs> uh, little scat piles around for yep. a kind way to say it. Um, sometimes we step in those things and we don't want to. Mm. But when we know they're there, 
I can step around it. I don't have to step in it. I can step over it. I can step around it. I don't have to, uh, there are things in life I don't have to pick up and hold on to. Hmm. And so am I willing to say, just now that I know this thing is here, I, I don't have to respond to it the way I used to. I hmm. can deal with it in a, a new and different way. I think that's part of our maturity is to recognize it quicker. Don't yeah. you think like the sooner, Oh, I just did this, but thank the Lord. I recognize that I did this. And maybe for someone hearing us talk today, you know, mm -hmm. I'm 58 years young and um, <laughs> some of these things, the Lord is still teaching me. So, you know, if you're my age or older and you're still working on things, don't fret. The Lord's still teaching you. If you're younger, hallelujah, that you're learning this thing sooner, mm -hmm. um, maybe you can encourage somebody else along their path as well, that there are things that we can do different. Mm -hmm. We can change should to could. Right. Um, my pastor's wife, when I was in college, I asked her a really, what I thought was a really hard question. I said, how do you, what do you do with the sin that you keep doing over and over? I don't know why I had the nerve to ask her that, except that she was very outgoing. And so was I, so we both talked a lot. So, you know, those of us who talk a lot, not that you're that way, Carol, but I mean, <laughs> we're outgoing. We make mistakes with our tongue and we oh. wish we could just cut it off sometime. And so I asked her that and she paused and then she said, Sue, I, I look at it as a, as a chance to praise God. And I go, why? And she goes, well, if you had a piece of white clothing and a, a, like a sheet, and then you had a piece, a linen sheet and they're far away, you don't see how far apart they are, but the closer they get to each other, you mm -hmm. see that off white. And so she goes, so the fact that God convicted me of my sin, I rejoice because at least I heard him and that I can turn around. So it's like, she's reframing like what you just said. And then, um, she recognizes it and she reframes it and then she replaces it with the praise. Lord, I'm sorry I did it, but thank you that I was close enough to you that I heard you say that was wrong. Mabel, you could have done it differently rather yeah. than getting discouraged. So I always remember that. I thought that's so encourage, encouraging for any type of uh, sin that comes on and weighs on us. Because like you said, there is no condemnation, but we live under that condemnation. Do you think that women today feel more condemned than ever? I think so. I think comparison and um, what we take away from, uh, I call social media a beautiful thing. And I know not everybody sees it as a beautiful thing. I love being able to connect with people mm -hmm. um, in a lot of different states and countries even. I love being able to stay connected to my family, but there is a downfall. And I can't imagine having been a teenage girl with social media mm -hmm. surrounding me and what a challenge that is to not yeah. be constantly comparing. Right. And even as adult women, we struggle with the comparison thing, whether you're a mom with kids and trying to see what mom is doing, what, how are they keeping their house? Um, it doesn't even go always to material things. It can just be scheduling and how much one family manages to keep the, you know, the juggling in the air. Comparison is just, um, is a tricky thing, but the beauty of social media is we have the chance to connect and share encouragement like this with mm -hmm. one another. Well, yeah. Um, one thing Bob Goff said was that comparison is good in that it inspires you. So if I'm inspired by watching Carol on social media, that is how God uses it. But if I'm discouraged, 
that's how Satan uses it. So I think that could be, and that was so um, great because I've always heard that comparisons, you know, are from the pit, blah, blah, blah. But he brought such a truth to it that, hey, yeah, I am supposed to be better in this. And so when I compare myself to someone else, no matter what it is, housekeeping or whatever, if that inspires me to be the person that God wants me to be, not what I want to be. So it's like, I, I might see your house and go, wow, or actually I have a friend who, who loves to iron and she loves to clean house. In fact, during the remodel, she'd just come over and clean my house. And I go, well, that will last like five minutes, but thank you very much. <laughs> but she actually enjoys it, but I know myself and I don't enjoy it. So I hire it out when I can. Um, so wh what I was going to say was that I think that we have to be careful not to uh, compare ourselves with other and then feel like, oh, I'm never going to measure up because that means we're looking at each other instead of at Jesus. Because guess what? We're never going to measure up to Jesus. Well, and exactly. And that's that whole I should do versus, yeah. well, I could, I could have a schedule that looks like hers, but does that <laughs> work? For my family, does that right. work for my season of life? And that's a big thing too, is what season of life are you in? I got to um, share with a, a group of young moms just last week and just looking around the room at the ladies that were there and saying, your season is different. You're both pregnant, but your season is different than her season, than different than hers. And giving yourself freedom to revel in the unique way that God created you, the unique family that he's put you in, the unique children that he's given you, or maybe you're not in a family scenario yet, but there's still as much uniqueness in those um, circumstances that we all have this opportunity to say, I could do, but would that get me to whatever it is you feel that the Lord's gifted you to do. And the comparison so just really, I think that's where um, I like to say that in the absence of truth, Satan fills in the blank with a lie. Hmm. And when we don't know the whole truth, which social media doesn't tell us the whole truth, when we don't know the whole truth about somebody, we fill in that blank with whatever we assume the truth is. And that's a dangerous thing. So that's where, you know, mm -hmm. social media gets us off, but I love the ability to connect you and I met on social media and right. I'm so thankful for that. Me too. And I, it, it made me think a long time ago, my kids were real little. I had a friend who had the kids the same age. And one time she said to me, Sue, you have a larger capacity for doing things than I do, but she was not putting herself down. And that's what I admired about her statement. It didn't make me feel like, it did not make me feel like I was better than her. It did not. It. I, she was just observing me that I had a large capacity for a larger, longer to-do list, and she did not. It wore her out. And I think that's an encouragement for anyone listening that we are made uniquely. I love what you just said. We are made uniquely by God for his purposes, and it may be to do something totally different than the next person that you're comparing yourself to. So we should not be comparing ourselves and, and maybe even um, <clears throat> this came out uh, in a conversation about, you know, the big things, the big dream and waiting to know what is that big thing I'm supposed to be doing. And I think a beautiful life finds itself in a lot of little things just mm -hmm. done with great intentionality. And um, 
being careful not to get caught up in the idea that there, there has to be some big thing out there waiting for us because big is defined differently by everybody as well, right? So again, that comparison trap that I should be able to, that guilt trip that we, you know, uh, settle down on ourselves and we live under the weight of uh, recognizing that a beautiful life doesn't have to be full of big dreams. I've been able to go and do some things that I would not have imagined getting to do, Mm -hmm. But I also want to be content in the fact that when the big things aren't on the horizon, my life is no less significant or valuable. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And But that takes maturity to figure that out. I think it does. There, yeah, there's years. Although, you know what? I've met some really mature younger ladies that have mm-hmm. been such, they have spoken such truth to yeah, their writing true. and their speaking. And so... <laughs> even in that the Lord matures us differently in different ways. Like, um, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You and I both know some writers out there that are far younger than us that just beautifully speak, uh, truth over hearts and lives. And I'm thankful that they have matured as quickly as they have in those areas. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a podcast about living a legacy life. What legacy do you want to make sure if as much as you are able to make sure that you are leaving for those who know and love you. And I don't mean waiting till after you're dead. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. No, and that's such a good point, right? Because there's so many things that I think get get left for an end of life conversation that really should should happen sooner. Um, With the whole yellow boots and the garden, I just see that illustration being such a great way to share for my own garden of growth with others. Like what is the Lord doing in my life? And so what are the ways that I can, as a legacy to leave either for my children, my grandchildren, friends, um, am I leaving footprints of faith? Does somebody know where I'm headed by where my footprints are going? Hmm. Steve Green had a song years ago uh, may those who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, yeah. That's a good and one. may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe um, and inspire them to obey. And um, how are I you doing? Love, how, how are you doing that right now? Uh, well, uh, my initial response is not as well as I would like to. And then the other You're side. You're shooting is, yourself. <laughs> And then the other side of that is to say, it's not boastful or proud to say the things that um, I am pursuing. There's always things we would like to do differently or better. Uh, Bravely stepping into the world of um, social media and that as an, as an older, uh, older wife and mom, older woman in society and just being willing to, speak the truth that the Lord puts on my heart. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, that's been a great opportunity just to say here I'm raising, I'm raising my flag of truth. I'm over here. (laughs) Listen, if you'd like to, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'll have a Um, conversation at any time, you know? Right. And just, it's amazing how God works that out. And there's, times when I open my mouth where I shouldn't have. And there's times where I, 
I go, oh, wow, Lord, you opened that opportunity and it's such a blessing. And it doesn't have to be a huge group. It can be one person after the church service in the courtyard. So I just yeah. think the whole idea of surrender, like what you're saying, and then you're as you're stepping into the truth yourself, people are going to say, hey, I want to follow that. I want to follow Jesus better. And Carol helps me do that. What obstacles or challenges do you face in leaving this kind of a legacy where people will want to follow in your footprints and find faith? Imposter syndrome is huge. What's that mean for you? Imposter syndrome in my mind is who do I think I am to Mm -hmm. stand up and speak to anybody. Mm -hmm. And yet I know that I know that I know that uh, <laughs> the Lord has given me the voice and the words, um, you know, doing uh, personality assessments and profile analysis is a popular thing. And, and actually the, uh, the thinking behind it has been around for a very long time. Uh, one that my husband and <clears throat> I have used as we uh, sit in, in, with other couples is the wired that way. And uh, uh, Florence Littauer and her daughter um, did a lot of work on that. Uh, mentor Patsy Claremont uh, has a lot to say on um, those ways of looking at how we're wired and what that does for us, to us, through us. And I've often said, God wouldn't have wired me this way if he didn't want me to be a chatty Kathy. And so, you know, I think I found a good outlet for my chattiness. Not sure everybody in my family, uh, my older siblings will tell you that there are, um, there are memories of family vacations where I was as far back in the station wagon. That was minivan back days. In the day. Yeah. I was as far back in the station wagon as I could get. And yes. I'm pretty sure it wasn't far enough. You know, when you get paid <laughs> to say fewer words than more by your siblings, <laughs> um, it's a good indication, but you know, those, mm. uh, the strength can be a weakness, right? So finding the way that using those words for good, I've also offended and hurt people with Mm -hmm. my words. Mm -hmm. And so that thing that we can be so good at, there's the strength has a shadow side. And so finding the way to take that shadow side to the cross and ask the Lord to redeem those hurtful moments, to allow me to be humble and recognize the shortcomings in myself, to use something that can also speak life to somebody's the Bible talks a lot about what the tongue can do. And I actually don't like memorizing some of those verses because they're, they're, they're so annoying. Real for me. I only, and I say that in jest, but, yes, um, you know, the, uh, the tongue is capable of life and death. And mm-hmm. I would like to be known for life giving words. And, um, for the times that the words have been hurtful, I would, I would like people to know that I'm aware of that and, and working on that. Mm-hmm. And, and the shadow side means that there are other people whose strength is, is uh, to be quieter, but they have to rely on the Lord just as much to speak when they're supposed to, to have the boldness, to have the courage. So um, it's not like one is better. God has wired us differently. My husband and I are complete up. Op- opposites. We didn't have time to talk about this, but you do talk about marriage in your ministry and how it is a pruning situation. (laughs) Uh, John 15 talks about, you know, if we weren't pruned, we wouldn't be bearing fruit. So it's okay. 
And uh, God uses marriage to prune. Did you want to say anything more about that? Well, just the idea of leaning into each other's strengths, whether Mm. you're partnered with somebody in a work scenario, a a a marriage relationship, wherever it is you find yourself interacting with other people, our, our strengths always have a challenging side, but understanding that the person that you're partnered with, my husband, his strengths are different than mine. And if we're willing to lean into one another's strengths and trust that we were brought together with giftings and abilities to serve, if I'm only focusing on his weaknesses and he's only focusing on mine, then we completely diminish the fact that there are strengths there that can benefit and encourage others. So great. How does your life embody the welcoming heart of God? And I don't mean just hospitality. I just mean being welcome to him. Well, and then here's the wordy girl quiet. <laughs> I love it. I, that's a contemplative. Um, that's a contemplative question because I think that's one of those things where I feel like I should do more to welcome the Lord into my thoughts. And part of how I'm wired is I think I know stuff. And so mm-hmm. when you're a person who thinks you know stuff, sometimes you're really good at telling the Lord what he should be doing. <laughs> and um, Instead of thinking what I could do differently in my relationship to him. And so that whole idea of welcoming Christ into my moments, my meditations, my monotony, whatever it is, am I willing to say, Lord, all of this is for you, for your will and your work, uh, for your honor and glory, and not to reserve, not to reserve. What was that, um, the pamphlet so many years ago, My Heart, Christ's Home? Oh, yeah. And there's always, there's always that little part that seems to want to be kept for ourselves. And, you know, the rest of the house can look pristine because we've said, here, Lord, here, you can work here. Um, and the challenge is always finding that part of me that I somehow think I need to control rather than re- relinquish control. And I'm always happier when I relinquish, but that's a, that's a little bit of um, my humanity clinging to things that uh, I think are too, I don't know. It's not like he doesn't know. So Exactly. I always think I, when I share with women, I say, well, he, he created the whole world. He created me. So why don't I want to give him control of every aspect of my life as if he's going to mess up a part? It's just a matter of wanting to be in control. And that I think that's where it messes us up. And we should not be that way. I was going to ask you earlier, where is should good? Well, it should is good. I would say, and you would probably agree when we're convicted and that God is saying, Hey, come back here. You know, I want to give you grace. I want to give you forgiveness. And I want to show you where you should go because you will be at more, more at peace. Not that we're going to have all our prayers answered at the right time or our time, but, um, but we'll be at peace. No, I think, a good should yeah. would be, I should. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I think no, no. There. Um, an illustration of a good should would be, <laughs> I should sit at the feet of Jesus. I yes. should welcome him. And those are good shoulds because those are not the guilt inducing shoulds. Those are the shoulds that recognize the reality of who he is. Mm-hmm. And um, it, looking at just the character and nature of God and reminding myself of his attributes 
And if he's all-knowing, if he's immeasurable, if he's the things that are immense and beyond what my human scope can comprehend, then laying my struggle at his feet should not be mm -hmm. a problem. And yet right. I think that's where I hold on to that lie that somehow I can, I can fix it or I can clean up, but he doesn't require any of that. I don't have to, I don't have to shower before I get there. He takes us as we are as is. stinky and all the things, you know, straight from the garden. <laughs> You yeah. have you have gardening um, metaphors. I have shopping metaphors because I buy things that say as is. I go, well, what's wrong with it that it would say as is? And if it's something, if it's something I can fix, I'll buy it for half price. But if it's not, I go, well, I don't want it as is. And yet God takes us as is because of Jesus. And he's more interested in our sitting than our serving. And as big servers we only serve well when we've sat first. So Carol, you've been a tremendous uh, encouragement to me personally, as well as to my listeners. And I so appreciate it. T tell me the resource that you're offering free to all my listeners today. What's it called? Um, well, here, here we go. The name of it. It is a, a download that reminds you how to uh, reframe and replace those should thoughts that mm, kind of good. play on repeat. And there's some scripture involved there, a bunch of fun R statements to just keep our mindset focused on the truth of who God is and um, verses to help us live those out. Great. And there'll be a link for that in my show notes. Yes, absolutely. So everybody can, um, it's not a giveaway. Everybody gets it. That's what I love. That's and right. Carol, where can people find and follow you? I am on, uh, my website is uh, carolfile.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, yeah, okay. most, uh, enjoying just showing up in those places and having great conversations. And Carol and I both love big earrings. So that's one thing I love about her. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Carol. What a blessing. <laughs> and uh, would you spell your last name so people can find you? F-E-I-L. There we go. All right. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Have a great day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.